Flicks and Chill, a movie discussion podcast. I'm Kev. And I'm Cal. And today we're talking top tens. We're list making again, and this time it's our top 10 movies of the 2010s. A bold exercise that we tried at the very beginning of the pandemic. We're here to litigate those lists a bit and make some up-to-date rankings. We have that and some long-awaited homework on today's episode of Flicks and Chill. All right, Cal, we're back in the booth. Um, month uh, removed from our um, Film Fest episode that we did with Nat. Uh, I feel like just as we got into prepping for this episode, I thought about the um, Film Fest episode a lot and just how exciting it was and like just the fun energy and atmosphere of having a Film Fest here and like like we had talked about on that episode a lot about like what it was like to go and watch a bunch of movies and it just kind of made me feel excited again for like the next iteration of that and then just by association excitement to talk movies again so i'm pretty pumped to be here today well i think one of the good things about uh film festivals in general and vif is like it kind of really kicks off like a good run of like all the top maybe like award-seeking movies that are coming out but it just means like more and more better movies are going to come out we kind of had like a little bit of like a lackluster movie summer so it's a good time to be excited about film yeah for sure and for you uh you had an exciting last week yeah um yeah we can drop this on the pod let's drop it uh i've 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 talked to lots of people about this already but i got engaged amazing Woo! my fiance that's (laughs) that's cal from uh, Titanic. That's like the first thing that happened. Like I actually wasn't even up and Carrie was at work and she just texted me like Titanic memes. And I was like, <laughs> I actually don't get it. Cause I didn't check my phone yet. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, we went to, on an autumn walk and went to Granville Island and cause that's my happiest place in the world. Wow. And, and it just got happier. Pretty much. Yeah. Incredible. So, big green Hill. You ever go there? Think of me. Will do. And Sam, I guess. Yeah. She's okay. Yeah. Is she pretty pumped? I imagine she is. Yeah. Yeah, I think. <laughs> nah, she's, I, she's Yeah, it was, uh, it was like she thought about it for a while. She just gave the ring back. She's like, oh, I got to think on this. No, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're both pretty excited. Um, a lot of people ask, okay, so like, what are you planning? And I'm like, okay, you pump the brakes a little bit, but, uh, it's looking like I'm going to have her like a really busy 2023 with this new school program that I'm starting. So we're looking probably 2024, but we've done absolutely no planning. Who knows? Maybe we'll just two person Vegas elope down i'll come okay i mean two person plus me of course yeah you can officiate yes down. perfect you gotta wear an elvis suit though fine by me um that's awesome well we already did our wedding episode so we'll either re-air it or maybe we'll do an engagement episode at some point to, to celebrate you and sam but that's awesome congrats perfect thank you thank you um okay so october kind of following the film fest we got into like you know spooky season and whatnot and um yeah, I knocked off like a whole bunch of uh, sort of like spooky season October watches. Um, <clears throat> a bunch of them I had just already seen. It was almost like 
you know, visiting the old like ones that you like to watch, like The Witch, um, mm-hmm. which I don't even really know if it qualifies as a Halloween movie, but it's definitely scary. So it suits the tone well. Um, I watched A Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time ever, which is like an all time heater. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed it. I also watched Corpse Bride for the first time, which I loved as well. So okay. I, I nibbled off the edges of some like spooky movies, even though it's not really my like favorite style, but Carrie loves Halloween more than anything. And so we, we were, and you know, celebrate, celebrating the season and watching uh, a bunch of uh, spooky movies. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk later on because we're, so we're going to do our homeworks uh, from a couple episodes ago. We're talking X and a silent voice at the end of this episode. And so we'll talk about X, which is a scary horror slasher totally. movie. And I know it's not your favorite genre, but uh, I'm excited to ask like, Remind me to talk about this later because I want to ask you now that you watched X, but also Nightmare on Elm Street, maybe we can talk about like what's something like when it wasn't made in 1984 to 2022. Right. Totally. I'll remind you. Sweet. Um, Okay. You wanted to talk a little bit about Black Panther, which just dropped. But before you do that, I just thought I would um, I remembered just now that you and I saw uh, After Sun, which was mm-hmm. like pretty lovely, sort of like somber movie yeah. um, that we wanted to fit into our film fest um, schedule, but couldn't. So we just went and saw it a couple weeks later. Um, yeah, my my instincts, like we talked about it as we walked out, like it was just sort of sad <laughs> yeah, and uh, and like soft. And um, it was really just sort of a, sc- a grab, like a snapshot of that moment that trip that they took and kind of it's like formative experience but um yeah did you like after sun yeah well let's give a little bit of background of like what after sun is so it stars paul mescal uh playing a 32 year old yeah 33 year old uh early 30s father of an 11 year old girl and they take a trip to Turkey and they're like at an all inclusive resort although they're on like the cheaper end of things so he's not made of money and it's kind of like this is the formative memories that this young girl has of her father and she as like a 20 year old is now like revisiting these memories that she has through like old VHS tapes and stuff uh and you get the feeling that like she doesn't have like a big connection to her father anymore yeah like you said it is sad i thought the performance from the young girl i don't remember her name off the top of my head uh was phenomenal super likable and i also thought paul mescal was great as like a father who's like trying to connect with his daughter but also is going through like a lot of inner turmoil he's like very depressed and but he doesn't want to like show that to his daughter so he's like like at some points it looks like debilitating like it's like uh, there's a literal weight on his shoulder that's pulling him down and he is just trying to hide this side of him from his daughter and uh i i liked the movie and but i feel it might be a movie that i would like need a rewatch for me to kind of fully wrap my head around it and what is the like the message that charlotte wells the director is trying to give us totally and i feel like one of my biggest 
takeaways like wasn't even I, I guess I was just happy to have gone and watched it so I could think about it and be like oh it was interesting like it's sometimes movies like that aren't the big like blockbuster hits that these like slower smaller concept like independent feeling ones I'm just like happy when I see them in no there's nothing really that happy about this movie but when I left I was like oh I'm glad I watched that and it's it's like a different feeling than when you walk out of like Black Panther, for example, where you just see like a Marvel enterprise, like huge thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, I don't know, for some reason I, I feel a little bit like, oh, I'm like experiencing something a little bit more unique and a little bit more like deep and interesting. Well, it feels like a really personal project that Charlotte Wells has created, whereas Black Panther, sure, it's a personal project to like Ryan Coogler and everyone that's connected to Chadwick Boseman and they're trying to pay tribute to him. But at the end of the day, it's a Marvel Disney universe movie. And what are they in it for? Billions of dollars. Sure. So that's, uh, it's very different leaving those two. Yeah. Tell me about Black Panther. You just saw it yesterday. Yeah. So I won't get into any spoilers about Black Panther Wakanda forever. But um, I was disappointed by it. And uh, I'm not going to get into like a big story of reasons why. But so, first of all, we don't need Marvel movies to be two hours and 40 minutes. Heard it here first. We really don't need that. Two hours would have been fine. The movie is trying to do like a lot of things. They're trying to get over, uh, like pay tribute to T'Challa and his passing as well as like who's going to carry the flame next and they're trying to have a conflict with uh countries that are like land dwelling and then we have this new this this new country this new uh villain who i'd never heard of before because i'm not a comic book guy but apparently he's like uh, Namor uh, is one of the original Marvel comic characters and he was actually really cool he was like a cool villain but I think the movie was just trying to do too much for me that they aren't able to do like enough well they just spend too much time with like their hands in all sorts of different buckets and one of my biggest gripes is I don't know, like, we've never talked about, like, going to a theater and seeing, like, a 3D movie. So I went to Fifth Avenue. It was in 3D. I'm not a big fan of 3D movies. Uh, the only one that I can think of that where I was, like, super impressed by it was watching the original Avatar. Yeah. And that's, like, it's created so specifically for that experience. And, I mean, Avatar 2 is coming out um, in, like, a month or something. And I'm actually looking forward to that because I think that'll be a cool experience again. But it's built for that. Whereas when yesterday when I was watching this movie, Black Panther, there's this, un, like, a lot of stuff happens underwater. And we're talking, like, not at the surface of the water. We're, sure. like, caves and, like, it's dark and it's dank and it's it's very it's not well lit and that's purposeful but then you put the 3d glasses on and they're like they're tinted as well so it just becomes darker and i couldn't like see things and Mm. i was it took away from the experience of black panther that i liked in the original because black panther was like really bright and vibrant and they created this world of wakanda that uh i thought 
looked amazing and like the costumes and everything looked great. And I didn't get that the same way watching this yesterday. So I was disappointed. I still had fun. There were still moments where I was like pretty excited and I thought some of the performances were great. Letitia Wright as Shuri. Phenomenal. Um, But I don't know. Once again, Marvel like swings and misses for Cal. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Well, I mean, I'm probably still going to see it because the first one was so great. I'm not saying it's not worth seeing. Yeah. But I came in really liking Black Panther so I had high hopes for this and it just didn't live up to that I guess totally fair um when we saw Shang-Chi I was like pretty excited and I'm I can't help but feel like if I watched it again today like some of the allure would just be the fact that we were back watching movies in a movie theater right because <laughs> that movie was fine and I was like oh it's pretty great and I remember we talked about it we were like yeah it's like pretty solid and stuff and now I'm like if I just watch that right now would I be like pretty impressed or would I just be like, nah, it's just like another Marvel enterprise. I still think you should watch the Tom Holland's and a uh, Spider-Man movies. All right. There, those are, I, as a Marvel hater, legitimately good All right. and super entertaining. Hit them up. All right. I'm on it. Um, let's get into our feature discussion, Cal. Let's do it. Uh, so as I said before, um, in the, in the intro, we early days pandemic, like just all figuring out that we have to like zoom every week or go insane. Yeah. Or, you know, the fact that like none of us had been to like offices or schools or anything in like weeks and we were all just figuring out what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of inspired by like your love of movies and my like new obsession with movies and with some of our friends who are longtime movie lovers, guests of the pod, Dre and Alana and, and Malcolm and Malcolm. Yeah. Of course. Um, we just like had a night where we had some beers on zoom and like ranked our top 10 movies of the 2010s. Now, uh, for the, for the interest of this exercise, we're actually not going to reveal our previous lists until the end. We're just going to get into ranking, um, like our current top 10 of the 2010s. Uh, but I want to get a sense of you of like how you went about doing this. Like maybe you can talk about your process. I'll talk a little bit about my process. Then we can just explain like what we're going to do. But my first instinct of like about this list is that it's pretty vast and quite tricky. So how did you go about picking 10 movies from the 2010s? Yeah. So the first thing I did was I looked back at our old lists mm-hmm. and just kind of went through them. Like which ones are absolute automatic ons? Uh, and then which ones am I like, are my maybes or whatever? And then I was curious if there were to be some where I'm just like, no, this I like, I knew for sure. And, Yes, there were that I knew weren't going to crack my top 10. Um, and then I, what did I have to do? I used Letterbox a lot and I basically went through, I like I used like my film page and I like sorted by my highest rating because I rate everything. And I figured pretty much everything that I was giving like, five to four and a half to four stars i didn't even like look lower than that would be worth considering and then i just started trying to think of which of these movies do i recommend that people should watch and then which of these movies will i either rewatch or throw on youtube for like 15 minutes and just feel very like satisfied after doing that and that's kind of like how I whittled down my list and 
I mean, there's a bunch of movies that are in my honorable mentions that mean a lot to me that aren't going to make my list. And I love them. And it, it was really like an exercise of choosing between my favorite children. Yeah. Yeah, it was tough. I so okay. That's that's cool that you just like picked your like logged movies mm-hmm. and sorted, and then just like got to business. Yeah. I think mine was like maybe a little bit more drawn out. Obviously, I checked my previous list, but as someone who, well, in the last like two and a half years, has covered an enormous amount of movies. This is your movie awakening. Yeah, exactly. The last like two years. So like when we did this exercise originally, I wasn't like helpless, but I just didn't have as many to draw from. So this was like a bigger exercise for me. So I went year by year and like picked my like favorites of each year Mm -hmm. and then then submitted that like year by year list into like a bigger list. So I think Mm -hmm. I had like two or three from every year where I was like, this definitely could be on my top 10. Right. You know, it was like if you were like third, fourth, fifth of that year, I was like, nah, you're just not getting entered into like the like I knew that it was very unlikely that the like fifth best my fifth favorite from 2016 was going to make my top like that means that's in that's kind of implying that all five of those are going to be on for there. sure that's just not happening it's true that that's this the way this exercise actually isn't very sound logically but for the purposes of picking 10 it actually would work mm-hmm. um and i would have a sense of like my third favorite from 2016 i'm like oh actually yeah, this is eligible so mm-hmm. i'm gonna push it in so um i went year by year and then i like got that whole batch together and then I just like had to start like picking which ones were completely immovable from the top 10 and ones that like were going to be near the bottom or like, yeah. It also made me realize that like the movie that's like eighth, ninth, 10th, and then like honorable mentions, like I would watch, those are all five, almost all five stars in my books. Like those are ones that I would watch any day because it's just, they're so good. So um, it was pretty painful. And if we did this next week, Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13, those could all switch around a little bit, and that's yeah. you just had to. I just like had to make a call, and some of my calls were for like year diversity, and some of my calls were for like style diversity as well. Near the bottom of my list, I um, I ride for the year twenty nineteen. I ride hard for it, and so I could have had like eight movies in consideration from that year, and I just had to stop at some point. Yeah. And just take like two or three or something. Yeah. So uh, similar to you, like I tried to not weigh in on too hard on like one one year. Actually, looking at it, I actually I picked two from that year. So same. All right. Good ass year. Good year. Man, we had a good. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, let's let's just get into it then. Let's go from 10 down to 1. We're just going to alternate back and forth and say a few words about these movies. We've got we've got a few overlapping, so that'll just, you know, um, breed a little bit of a conversation and uh, yeah, and then at the end when we have our two lists of 10, we'll recap them and compare them to the 10 that we had originally put on our lists back at the kind of like March 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, does that sound good? Great. All right. Let's do it. I'll go first. Um, so my 10th here, it's a movie that we've talked about. In the, I mean, okay, that's another thing before I say this. <laughs> a lot of these we will have discussed, some at length, some in passing. Um, so we're just going to give a little hit in and out of each one. I Part of this is like if you're listening to this and you need a recommendation, it's very likely that this is two lists of 10 that are going to be like lock 
recommendations from us obviously top tens from our our top tens 17 movies from us right here or something yeah exactly so either grab a pen and paper or maybe we'll post our list on on uh, the gram later on but sure um hopefully this inspires you to check out some of these ones that you haven't or revisit some of the ones that you have all right my number 10 inside out the pixar sensation from 2015 uh I feel like the more we've stewed on after our Pixar episode, the more I feel like I wish I fought for this to be higher. Where do um, we have it? Like maybe it's, fourth? It's fourth or fifth. Yeah, it's high. top. Third, maybe it's top. It, top five for sure. It hit our Mount Rushmore. Yeah, and I still wish I fought harder. I don't know where necessarily we could have done that, but um, I feel like I've revisited this one since, and. With the exception of Monsters, Inc., I think this is just my favorite. And I think that if you check back in in five or six years, Inside Out will be my favorite. Really? It just feels like it's the one that's like, when I first watched it, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I would probably put this like mid-pack Pixar. Next time I saw it, I'm like, this is a top-tier Pixar. And then I watched it again, and I'm like, this is the Pixar. Like, this is an absolute monster. Um, I think the world that's created is very, is like... The most creative of it. It's really unique. It's so cool. And and it gives you, it's like something that I would want to do on a daily basis is to like see inside of people's brains and see how the like navigation of that like main circuit board works. Mm-hmm. Just because on, on a personal level, that's something that's like interesting to me. And so the world's so creative. Um yeah, and I just love the like the uh, the external characters that like live in the real world that are walking around. I think they're fabulous, but they're not even like the captains of the movie. It's like what's happening inside Riley, the main girl's head. It's yeah. like the main driver. Um, but we got Bing Bong and Bing Bong, who just tugs. It does everything that a Pixar movie does best. It, it like emotionally manipulates you the whole time, while mean meanwhile it's like allowing you to feel all these things. It's also saying to you like, here's here's what like anger looks like. Here's what sadness looks like. And that's that's kind of uh, profound, all things considered. Now, they don't like, they don't have enough time to like deeply handle everything. Mm-hmm. But that's incredible. And if you're like a kid watching this, that's like a pretty interesting, I wasn't obviously, but um, a pretty interesting like exercise. And then when you become an adult, it's fucking hilarious, by the way. That movie's so funny. Um, and it spawned one of the best shorts, Riley's first date. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, Inside That was great. Uh, I like to think of inside of Riley's head, there's anger, there's sadness. And I like to think of what's happening inside anger's head. So like each head has like a little, little world control going board. On. Yeah, for sure. And inside anger's head is like five anger people in one attempting to not. Or, yeah. Yeah. One joy, just trying to keep it together. But yeah, she just gives in or something. Yeah. Also the, the like core memories that shit is so smart. That is so smart. Cause then like it, it has me thinking like regularly about like, what is a memory that just is like it immovable right. from my like past that has helped shape you. Mm-hmm. And like, if you start to really like boil that down, that is some interesting stuff that they're like exploring. It's incredible. Maybe in 10 years, you'll think core memory making flex and chill. Who knows? Already a core memory. There you go. <laughs> Uh, let's go to my number 10. Uh, I have Lady Bird, the yeah, 2017 Greta Gerwig film. On my honorable mentions. Yeah. Uh, I am, I rewatched it maybe a couple of months ago. I'm blown away that it's an, it's 90 minutes. Oh, I just, what a dream really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I love Saoirse Ronan. It was really like my introduction to her. Um, of course we have the Saoirse Ronan, Lucas Hedges, 
episode. So we've talked about this movie a lot already, but I like the idea of somebody trying to like discover themselves in high school while uh, trying to figure out who they are, who they like want to be as well as like, who are going to be my main friends? Like, do I still want to stick with the people that I'm already with or do I want to like venture outwards? And I think that like really resonated with me and kind of makes me think about like, who do I want to spend my time with now? And like, uh, focus on like really what matters and like the idea of self-discovery. And so I think Lady Bird is a perfect movie. And the scene where Lady Bird and Lucas Hedges kiss just fills me with joy. So that's my number 10. Yeah, remarkable movie. And I feel like, like, I think this was the first Greta Gerwig that I saw, but I didn't see it when it came out. I saw it like a few years later. Yep. And it was like an immediate like hammer the letterbox and be like, what else has she done? Mm-hmm. Oh, she did little women like just a year ago or whatever. Immediate watch. Yep. And then like immediate Francis Ha watch. I was, you know, it's not every day that you like watch a movie, go to the director and be like, I got to do these. Yeah. Right. That's pretty rare. I feel like it happened to me with Denis Villeneuve like over the course of the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But like Greta Gerwig's probably the only other one where it was like, a must watch all their stuff and now we both have matching shirts so amazing nice um okay so i'll do my nine this one i think was originally your recommendation to me anyway um my number nine is book smart the 2019 olivia wilde comedy mm-hmm. uh starring beanie feldstein and caitlin deaver uh i mean I-, I definitely wanted a comedy like a pure comedy on my list yeah um and I was so I had like a handful in in contention like 21 Jump Street for example which is another heater um and but this one is just it's so funny like it's 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 every scene like every setup every scene is so funny and is one of the ones where I feel like every time a scene ends you're kind of like I wonder what they're gonna get into next because yeah. it's like a it's buddy absurd yeah it's absurd and it's like a buddy movie and as the like adventure sort of like starts it's like a one night adventure it's like the whole movie you know that like the next scene is like their next thing that they're doing that night mm-hmm. right it's like I feel like you it's not not necessarily predictable but it's predictable in structure it's like they're like oh we're off to the boat now and you're like all right <laughs> let's do it yeah right, let's go to that boat and then sure enough it's like you know like fade to the boat scene you're like all right and then like after the boat they're like we gotta find our way back to the party you're like yeah let's go to the and then they're going so well, the first mo- they go to the murder mystery party yes of course <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah there's just like uh the two leads have phenomenal performances they're fucking hilarious and the antics that they get up to are great uh, i do have marked down here that uh, i want to give a shout out to skylar Juzondo, the jared character okay thank yeah. you thank and you that he's very very funny yeah and that things are kind of going for him he was in licorice pizza last year and he's like pretty popular and really really lovable on screen do you have a favorite scene from it I can just give you mine. Sure, give me yours and give me a chance to My, mine. Mine's the karaoke scene. Oh, God, that scene. So, I mean, I would really elaborate to just the whole party scene because it's yeah. like got of the wide variety of emotions from like the super highs to the super lows. The so big fight at the end when everyone's yeah. like filming the cameras it. circling around. It's horrible. Oh, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, Book smart. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, let's go to my number nine, which is also your number eight. So Perfection. this works out really well. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. So I've watched this three times now. Um, and this one really snuck up on me. The first time I watched it, I was like, okay, yeah, that was good. And now it's like, I think one of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, came out in the year 2019. Uh, French film by Celine Siama where well we've talked about already so i don't need to like go into like what it's about basically but the things that really stuck out for me was actually like the sound and the environment that these two women are living in while they're living together and this one woman is like uh painting this portrait of the woman yeah who's gonna get married and move away and they start to fall in love with each other and it just becomes like such an uh it's like an exercise in intimacy and there's no music throughout the whole thing except for like one piece that's played right at the end and you are just like sucked into these people's emotions without being manipulated by uh an original score or something and i'm a score guy we talk about that a lot but it's powerful writing when you don't need something to like kind of move you through from scene to scene and kind of trigger you to know how you or the characters are should or are feeling at that time so i love portrait of a lady on fire and that is my number nine yeah it's it's an absolute masterpiece it's my number eight like you said um it's it's so yeah it's so good on rewatch as well um because like the story isn't necessarily the thing that like keeps you there it's all the like dialogue between the two people it's the glances and like sometimes like the quiet dialogue they're not necessarily saying anything but they're just like looking at each other and uh like feeling each other without actually touching yeah uh i wrote down that this this movie is like it's not a like enjoy every scene at all times movie like for example Booksmart kind of is it's like every scene you're like oh this is so fun this is funny and I'm loving this like Portrait it's like it's not like every scene you're like oh this is so great I'm loving this it's one where like by the end you're like like I can't believe what I've been watching right like it's like it's like almost like a sense of like reflection during the movie even when you watch it for a second time because like the same thing happened to me when i watched it a second time we were halfway through before i was like fuck this is so good you know it's like each each moment isn't one that like completely triggers you it's like they build on each other the whole way until like the kind of like climax scene which is just like overrun with emotion um you it, it yeah it's like kind of it drags you along maybe it's like like a 10 course meal where if you ate one of those courses kevin you're gonna yeah. be like well i'm still really hungry but and so if you just fired up a five minute scene on youtube you're like well okay yeah that was cool but when you get the whole thing in its entirety it really comes together totally like for example you can you can watch the karaoke scene from Booksmart and be on youtube and be like that's awesome i do it but like if you just watch the like hand touch and the little drawing scene with the notebook like that's that doesn't get you there unless you watch the whole thing build together so mm-hmm. sick movie um let's do let's do your number seven my number eight Yes, let's do your number eight. Okay. Let's start there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this was one, 
Uh, we're talking Whiplash now, the Damien Chazelle film from 2014 starring Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons. So I was actually thinking, like, this probably won't make my top 10. Uh, so when we originally did this exercise, it was on there. It was higher up, but I was like, ah, this will probably fall out when I started like doing this again. And then I watched the final scene, uh, all like 15 minutes of it on YouTube. And it's just absolutely incredible. And I, I did it on like a lunch break at work. I was just like amped up to go like leave my, like came back to work sweating. Yeah, pretty much. And I think that this, I think Whiplash has several scenes where it is just about, it's not about music. It's not about like playing in a jazz band or anything like that. It's about the pursuit of excellence and how far are you willing to go to be considered great at something. And I know there are a lot of people out there that think like this movie's bullshit because of uh, like, no one can treat someone like that in like a real school band, but it's not about that. And so I, I really like it and it, it stuck with me. So whiplash, right? Like music school people are like, that's not actually what it's like. Yeah. And you're like, well, that's I, I've had that conversation with people and I'm like, okay, buzz off. It wasn't for you. You're, you're too literal minded. Leave. Um, whiplash is awesome. It's a, it's a pretty intense ride and any movie where someone is like, the best at what they do and trying to get better is a movie for me. So I love this movie. Great selection. Yeah. Rushing or dragging. <laughs> yeah. Also like JK does is usually like a supporting character in movies. And it was kind of nice to see him like be like the co-lead yeah. of this one. Um, Cause he, he, he slaps. We all dig him. Um, okay. So I'll go to seven next. Um, my seventh uh, movie is the town, the uh, like Boston heist, Ben Affleck, Jeremy Renner shredder. Um, this movie is so good. <laughs> I know it's like, out of all these, it might be like maybe the trashiest. I don't know if that's even it's fair to good. say. It's just good. It's just yeah. good. It's just a good action heist movie. Um, this thing, it, it's got like kind of all the like pieces of what I would like in a movie, especially in like an action movie. Like heist is like a sub action genre, which I love. Um, Boston is a, it's not a genre, but it's a location and it's a location that I, um, I guess I'm just kind of a sucker for like if you think like Departed, if you think Manchester by the Sea, Spotlight, um, Goodwill Hunting, these are like Boston location movies with Boston accents, and I'm like, this is sick. So I don't know why that's a specific thing that I like, but I like it and I like hearing it. Um, all time heist masks in this movie, <laughs> the, the nuns specifically. Chips. Also, awesome locations. Hockey rink gets me going. Fenway Park gets me going. This movie is, um, it's incredible. Yeah. And I, and I just like, I, I love, uh, Jeremy Renner's character, Jem. He's like so gnarly. I, mean, I, I don't love him and I wouldn't <laughs> want to hang out around with him. I wouldn't want him to even know I exist, but, um, fabulous movie character. And I watched this like after I watched, um, Hurt Locker. So I was already like, oh, I, I like Jeremy Renner. So when I saw him on screen, I was like, here we go. Yeah, I think this was probably my intro to Jeremy Renner. This was also my intro to uh, John Hamm, oh, who yeah. is now <laughs> who plays the FBI agent and seems to have now played that same character in like four different roles. But uh, he was great in it as well. So I I support that pick. 
Yeah, the town rips also. It's just so fun. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go to my number seven, which is Minding the Gap. Ugh, so good. I wanted to have a documentary on here, and this was the only one that was ever going to fit in here. Um, and I just, we've, we've talked about it a couple times. I think that it is such a personal story about these three young men dealing with their own, like, uh, similar, but their own, like, original uh, issues and tra- traumatic experiences through their life. And it's so open. And I, like, I feel like, I don't know, I I haven't seen a documentary be this forthcoming and open the same way. And still, you're, like, rooting for these people. Uh, especially like the Zach character, you're hoping that he can like turn his life around and become like a good father while also like watching him do these like neglectful and kind of shitty things. And it all falls back on Bing Lu, who's the director filmmaker and also puts himself in front of the camera as well. And like has the courage to kind of interrogate his mother about why did you let, your husband like beat me and stuff like that I think is like it's it's absolutely real and heart-wrenching and it's my favorite documentary yeah it's it's incredible did, okay I'm trying to remember um did you recommend this to me or the other way around no no I, this is a recommend okay good 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 it's incredible um I don't know why I guess I've recommended it to so many people starting mm-hmm. from the second I watched it yeah um yeah, you're right. It's, like, so raw. It feels like Bing Lu just, like, started to, like, hmm, let's see what we can collect and then, like, produce, like, a utter masterpiece. Obviously, like, more goes into producing and, like, preparing a documentary of this scale than simply that. But the fact that it watches like that makes it feel so, like, ultra-realistic. And it's as if he just, like, clicked the camera on one day and was like, I'll just, like, gather everything I can from here on and then package it up into like 100 minutes or whatever and it's it's shocking it's mm-hmm. incredible yeah huge piece of work um okay so we're gonna go to my six uh my six is x x machina so this is this is a carryover from my previous list for sure um it's it's so good introduction to, for me introduction to alex garland introduction to Donald gleason introduction to oscar isaac awesome performance from Alicia Vikander it's kind of like an all-star team performance and they're like you know Garland's like fingers are are all over it but then the other three people are like the only real characters at all and it's so pretty much yeah it's so like shockingly claustrophobic and um yeah I just like I love it like it's like Oscar Isaac is completely unhinged. He's so good. He's become like one of my favorite actors. Um, Rightfully so. Yeah. But I think like at that moment, you know, I probably didn't see it the year it came out. Um, It's a 2014 movie, but I probably saw it in like 2016 or something, 2015, Mm -hmm. 2016. Um, Absolutely shocked. It was a movie I like rewatched, not because of the content, because the content's kind of creepy, but just because of like the people's performances in it. They're all, they're all of them are incredible. Incredible setting, too. Yeah, horrifying. Like everything. Well, <laughs> the compound. Yeah. yeah. It, it just looks so so nice. I like the idea of, like, you get dropped off in the wilderness, and they, the guy who drops you off the helicopter pilot is like, walk that way along the river, and you'll get there. And you just have to trust him and go. But uh, 
yeah, Ex Machina is great and begins to like start the question of AI and can they have emotions? And uh, I don't know if I've seen a movie that kind of questions that better than Ex Machina. Yeah. And if you love watching Oscar Isaac dance, check this movie out. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not a comfortable scene. <laughs> it's entertaining. Dancing nonetheless. Ex Machina. Fabulous. Uh, my number six is Parasite from 2019. I've heard of it. Yeah, Bong Joon-ho. <laughs> uh, I like to think of Parasite as like the last great thing that happened before the pandemic. So it comes out... Parasite winning might have been. No, well, that's what I'm talking about. Right, like right, the right. whole like experience of it. I... Talked about it last episode where I saw it at VIF. And then, of course, it doesn't come out to movie theaters for like another two months. And I'm just kind of like waiting. Like, I got no one to talk to about this. And then eventually it comes out and I'm like recommending it to people. And more people are seeing and it's starting to get more and more buzz. And then uh, eventually it like starts hitting the award circuit. And it's a ton of fun. And then it wins this improbable award, smacks Sam Mendes and uh, 1917 out of the water. And everyone's just happy and jubilant about Bong Joon-ho doing doing the damn thing. And then COVID happened. But uh, Parasite is, I, I think it's a perfect movie. I think it's like one of its like biggest and best things is its pacing. It rapid. It's moves so quickly (laughs) and just the editing and the cuts and like the music that's like scoring behind it and this family that is uh, inserting itself into this other's family life one piece by piece by piece and like executing this plan. Meanwhile, we're talking like large themes of socioeconomic dynamics and uh, I think it's incredible. So that's my number six. Also, it watches like a comedy until it's not. Yeah. It's so funny. Looking at my list, that would be like maybe my one comedy. Well, Lady Bird's pretty funny. And then we'll get to my number five. That's that's sometimes funny. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yours are all like, like, they're not like ripping comedies. They're like commentary movies that are like pretty funny. I'm a serious guy, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) I know you are. Parasite incredible i highly urge people that haven't seen it which feels really rare right now to check it out it's an all-timer i think it might be the most watched movie on letterboxd yeah incredible although letterboxd is like more filmy nerds but sure but i'm still. just i'm just saying yeah yeah it's good times i mean yeah i mean it's definitely one of the like highest rated approval and critic movie of all time yeah so okay um let's do why don't we do your number five because my five and your four are the same sweet I'll keep going here. Yeah. Uh, my number five is Get Out. Um, so 2017. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was the introduction to Jordan Peele as a director. And uh, kind of my introduction to Daniel Kaluuya. I'd seen like his one episode of Black Mirror. But one of my best theater experiences I've ever had of people like screaming like, like don't go in, like don't go in there, that kind of thing. And um, when Rod shows up, shows up, everyone just like cheered in the theater. So that's incredible. And I love the uh, the hit, whoever plays his girlfriend, Allison Williams. How like she like turns on him later on, Ugh. and 
I just think like Get Out like creates this whole vibe of you know something's wrong, but you can't figure it out. And then once you start to figure it out, it's too late. And you know that uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character is not going to be able to get out. And um, it felt so refreshing in terms of like a scary movie that wasn't like built on gore or I don't know, like... Uh, like jump just, scares it's not it's just yeah. like a sinister uneasiness that you just have the whole time and then it finally like reveals itself incredible the fact that like one of the main reasons why I went to nope in theaters was like I didn't know you know what, what was going to happen in nope mm-hmm. but it you know the dream of like having the get out at theater experience that you just described is like going to keep me going to all Jordan Peele movies forever. Sweet. Because they're like, I can only imagine what that, because the experience that I had at home watching it was like incredibly terrifically horrible. That was our best text thread we've ever had. I'm like, no, 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 what's going to happen? I'm like, I can't say anything, but (laughs) yeah, that shit is crazy. Awesome pick. Uh, Jordan Peele's incredible. Also, you said it was it was his directorial debut for you, but like he directed like hundreds of Key and Peele skits. Sure, yeah, know, obviously. Uh, Kevin, we've said I don't like comedy. Okay, no, so, yeah, yeah, so good. Yeah. It is also, good. I was watching a, a, a sidebar. <laughs> I was watching a, like a few of the Key and Peels. Sure. With, and I forget who I was with, but they were like they were like, oh my god, like and this is like. East West Bowl, like substitute teacher. I'm mm-hmm. talking like the slap ass, like the yeah. all time like big ones from like 2010 to or like 2008 to like 2013, whatever. Yeah. Sort of like heyday Key and Peel skits. Um, and they were like, the person I was with was like, oh my God, like the like production is incredible. It's like, yeah, it kind of feels like now, you know, he's like ripping it on the big like features. Mm-hmm. But like, it, even if you watch like, a bunch of those Key and Peels, you're like, yo, these are incredibly good. Like, they're not just, like, so funny, which they are, but if you sat back and watched them knowing that this guy was going to become, like, like a huge film director, you'd be like, he's just got it. Anyway, uh, sidebar. Okay, let's talk about My Five, Your Four. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is Moneyball. Yeah. The Brad Pitt, Billy Bean movie. Um, I'm also happy I can have a sports movie on here. I feel like I, like, quote-unquote, had to have one, but, like, if Moneyball wasn't in the equation, I don't actually think I would have. Mm. But uh, luckily, we didn't have to deal with that. And it's here. It's so good. Uh, I want to ask you, is this Brad Pitt's best ever role? Like, uh, he's not his hottest, surely. No. Legend of the Fall. Others. Uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, hot, hot old Brad Pitt. But, like, he, is he ever better? Like, he's so good in this movie. Like, I'm trying to think... Is he, do I like him more as Rusty yeah, from the Oceans series? Maybe. Um, but one of the things I think that he does really, really well in this is he disappears into becoming Billy Bean. And I view him less as Brad Pitt and I view him more as Billy Bean. Which is really rare for Brad Pitt. Absolutely. Brad Pitt, for sure. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's my favorite role he's ever been in. Probably same. Nice. Yeah. Um, he's surrounded by like really good parts as well. Jonah Hill does a phenomenal job in here. Philip Seymour Hoffman Philip Seymour Art Hoffman, Howell. Robin Wright. Like the his daughter, who I don't know the actress's name, but she's like good and his relationship with her is quite tender, which mm-hmm. is nice. Um, but yeah, this is like an all time 
uh, adaptation of the Michael Lewis novel. And, um, and, uh, yeah, it's just like, it's also got good pacing. It has the like attributes of a sports movie, but it also has the attributes of like a thinking drama. Um, yeah. You don't need to be a fan of baseball to like this movie. And I think that that's one of the big key factors about uh, Moneyball. You can just like want to root for someone to do well. And as long as, long as you're an optimistic person and just like enjoy cinema, then I think you'll have a good time. But you don't have to like, I don't know, with like Bull, uh, Bull Durham or uh, Field of Dreams, stuff like that. Like kind of have to like baseball um or like like the sport or be interested in it to get the whole, get everything out of it but i think moneyball goes above and beyond that and it's one of the greatest sports movies ever made yeah also i i find i'm like really happy with how the like material was handled in this movie mm-hmm. cuz like obviously it's it's a uh, you know based on a book but it's the it's like pretty like numbers heavy and even the like story is it's like how he like mathed out and like numbers sure. out baseball advanced yeah. analytics like all that and that's like fairly weighty and yeah. like not and like kind of like not that viewer friendly like we're talking numbers all over the screen but they're able to break it down to does he get on base yeah and someone who doesn't know anything about sports or, or like stats or whatever just understands what that means at the very base level yeah and they're able to like yeah you know, if you were, like, a huge, like, stat sports person, like, super nerd, you might feel like this was, like, a little bit more for the general. But the fact that it was, like, made for the general was so important for, like, how successful and, like, lovable the movie was. Because it could have just... I feel like if it went wrong, it would have been so boring. It could have been so boring. Yes. And, like, we, we saw sports people would have been like, oh, that was, like, a good retelling <laughs> of that of the novel. Like, really cool. But, like, not, like, a monster hit. And the end of one of the greatest movies of yeah. the decade. So, yeah, huge one. Uh, let's go to your number four. Okay, my four. Um, Moonrise Kingdom is my number four. It's my favorite Wes Anderson. Um, we've talked at length about Moonrise Kingdom on the pod, so I don't need to go too far into like what it's about or anything like that. Um, I just want to tell a little story about this. I think I think I've told this before, but you know, if you're a new listener or you just don't remember, uh, I watched Lady Bird and Moonrise Kingdom for the first time on the same night, and together, yeah, with yeah, with you <laughs> via WhatsApp, yeah, and that is pretty all time. And yeah. both have such a good, like that's such a good memory for me for both movies, right, right, and and it was like. I legit feel like the next day I woke up, I was like different than I was the day before, you know, like that, those two are like so incredible to me. And they, I don't know, it was just like a, a fabulous day of movie watching, um, for your boy Kev during the pandemic. Um, Moonrise Kingdom, like obviously we've did we've done a whole episode on Wes Anderson, so you know you don't have to look that far to know that we're just like fans of his work. Um, and for me, this is the best one. It has like the most. It has like the best of the Wes Anderson tropes in his style. Um, and I'm a bit of a sucker for like kid love. I don't know how to make that sound like not creepy, but like. <laughs> You know, like, I feel like when it's, like, 40-year-olds falling in love on, on like, in movies, it's, like, complex and dramatic, and there's, like, a lot to it. And there's it's more, like, there's a sweetness. Yeah. 
Exactly. And like, not to like criticize the depth of like, about like, you know, analyzing like romance as you grow up in some shit. But like, sometimes it's just like these kids are like teenagers and they're just like, I just like you and just like being around you and love you. And that's it. Yeah. And like, when you watch it in the Wes Anderson way, you're like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> <laughs> and there's just, um, I feel like the like Moonrise Kingdom haters or the people who like rank it low in the Wes Anderson are just like, it's almost like Wes Anderson got too too much in his bag after being like so like successful mm-hmm. and so prolific that he just like did all his West stuff in one movie and I was just okay with that and it just it just worked on me it definitely works on you yeah I like it as well I'm not saying that I, I like I'm not being facetious when I say that yeah um okay let's go to my number three let's do it uh this one so Mad Max Fury Road from 2015 I had not watched this pre-pandemic and then eventually I, I fired it up on my own and I was like wow this was I was blown away I did at least 60 minutes of like various behind the scenes YouTube watching of like how the hell did they make this I was so impressed and then the next night I fired it up again let's go back to like back. I've never done that before with a movie where I was like I need to watch it again and so I've, I think I've now watched it three times and the last time I watched it, I just went solo by, uh, to the Rio and I watched it by myself in a theater and it was a, a great experience and it might be in my top five movies of all time now. So I just like there's not a huge plot to Mad Max Fury Road. It's like we got to get these girls and we got to get them out. We got to get away from uh, Imperator Immortan Joe. Immortan Joe, yeah. yeah. And then eventually, no, we got to go back. And in the in the midst of that is just like an insane hour 45 minute car chase. Yeah, just and, like eye splitting action sequence. Yeah, and Charlize Theron is like incredible in it. Uh, Tom Hardy is like great. Like it's it's not even about Max. It's like more about uh, Charlize for me, and everything that the whole spectacle of the movie. I just absolutely love it, and I'm like ready to watch it anytime a friend wants to watch it together. Yeah, it's sick. It's sick. It hurdles toward towards its conclusion. Um, so much carnage in it. And I, yeah, I I can't believe like how they were able to like make it. It's, it's, it's they're making another one. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, Theater. Hopefully coming out in a year. I ho- or I think it's 2024, actually. Is it the one that's Imperator? It's like, it's yeah. about Furiosa? Yeah. Right, yeah. Starring Anya Taylor-Joy. ATJ, yeah, that's going to be sick. Um, great pick. I love it. Apparently, it's really, really good in black and white. That's the, I've that's heard that. I've heard. Yeah. So maybe check it out. Maybe not for the first time because the color is like ultra rich, but mm-hmm. um, that's cool. Um, great pick. Uh, my let's do my three, which is your two. Great. Perfect. We're absolutely in sync on these. Um, okay. So my number three movie of the 2010s is The Social Network. Uh, David Fincher's masterpiece. I think so. Probably. It's so good. I'm. I'm always just like. The number one, this is, I've rewatched it multiple times in the last like few years. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Um, sometimes I just watch the rowing scene on YouTube just to get <laughs> jazzed up. I think um, it's incredible that, uh, again, this is one of the ones where like the material was handled in a way that just like produced like, 
insanely good movie. And and I think that that probably, like, that didn't necessarily need to have, like, yeah, it, it was at risk, I feel like, if, again, being handled like a courtroom drama, boardroom drama that's not handled that well. But they, what Fincher did and what, like, his cast was able to do, incredible casting, incredible work, just like, yeah. Man, it's it's so watch. It watches like a thriller, which is the best uh, the best way you could have told, told the story. Well, I think one of the best things about it is like the script itself, the screenplay, and which is written by Aaron Sorkin, who is super dialogue heavy. And when he like presented David Fincher with the script, the two of them sat down together with like a, a stopwatch and they read every single page back and forth at each other to figure out the pacing because there's so much dialogue in it that the script is like larger than normal and uh you can just like see the way that jesse eisenberg is like talking in it he's just like firing off lines and quips or he's not saying anything at all and he's locked in uh but i think his script is like i think the best thing about the movie and that's why it works so well the pacing it's like like almost a like an action flick like when people are fighting with their dialogue uh, it gets me pumped up and so I absolutely love Social Network I listen to to the soundtrack all the time when I do my homework uh, it introduced me to Addicts Raw Atticus right. Ross and Trent Reznor yeah yeah uh, I was gonna say Nine Atticus Inch, Finch, Nine Inch Nail that's uh, To Kill a Mockingbird right <laughs> that's something else yeah um, but the social network, this should come to no surprise that it's in my top two as it's in my top five of movies all, all time. Right. An, an easy fit. I, I'm, I will say, like, the casting, like, Andrew Garfield, fabulous. Mm-hmm. Jesse Eisenberg, fabulous. Feels like a Mark Zuckerberg, like, type person. Like, that's the thing. Like, not, I don't know either of them, but I've watched the, like, documentary of the behind the scenes. And, like, they, like, interview Jesse Eisenberg. I'm like, well, he's not that different from the character he's portraying. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, that's kind of what he seems like. Um, and then uh, Rooney Mara, great. And Justin Timberlake, pretty good as the, like, Napster the, douchebag. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just overall, overall Rashida great. Jones is great in it. Army Hammer as, like... <laughs> The douche, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Winklevoss twins, yeah, it's so good. Um, it does feel like a perfect marriage between like a Sorkin script and the Fincher style. Really, really good. Mm-hmm. Top three for both of us. Two for you, three for me. Okay, I'll do my second. Okay. Um, my number two is Arrival. This is the Jeremy Renner, Amy Adams, uh, sci-fi thriller call it sci-fi drama. Yeah. Um, directed by Denis Villeneuve, and it's like again, I wanted a Villeneuve on here like pretty bad and this is my favorite of his work so um it was pretty easy to put it on it's definitely like maybe my favorite movie that i've seen since we like started this whole exercise nice um you know um like well like a new to me movie not necessarily new release but um since we started like really going hard in the in 2020 Mm -hmm. this is the movie I've revisited a few times and the movie that just sort of hit me the hardest. And I don't really know exactly why. Um, but Villeneuve is being like that new, like special thing. Like I had seen Sicario, but 
just like arrive like getting a rival and then when we got dune last year it was like it, blew, it kind of blew everyone's socks off like that movie's sick mm-hmm. and i feel like maybe there's a villeneuve pod in the, in the making perhaps when they when dude two drops or maybe even before but yeah um, he's like a, a big dog for us on the show and canadian and yeah and he, he's just sort of he sort of got all prisoners <sighs> gnarly enemy really good oh my god yeah <laughs> um but yeah, one of the biggest things for me about Rival is the sound. Uh, obviously, like, and Villeneuve and his team specialize in, like, making big sounds and um, cool sounds. And I feel like when I watch this movie, I just cannot wait for them to get up into that, like, chamber mm-hmm. where they make contact with the, like, alien beings. It's kind of a puzzle movie. Totally. And you don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, and as, like, Amy Adams' character's, like, figuring it out, and that's her job, like, linguistics, it's got, like, a pretty trippy ending, too. And mm-hmm. I kind of feel like this is one that's, like, it got, got, like, a little bit of Oscar buzz, but, like, when you see these lists and top tens, 2010s, whatever, this one doesn't feel like it's on the same, like, elevated level as, say, like, Parasite, Social Network, Get Out. I feel like that's a whole class above, say, like, where Arrival is, but for me... It belongs there. It's like a huge, huge hit start to start to finish. I think a movie like Interstellar gets too much buzz and Arrival doesn't get enough buzz. Yeah, it's perhaps like a little slower, but like that's fine by me. And again, um, I always when I'm watching that movie, I'm like, oh, my God, like, let's get up into the chamber for the next like chamber session because the sounds that they make. And oh, my God, it's incredible stuff. Yeah. And they spray their like ink, the like visual of the like. Yeah. Thing, like Those, the like, circles. circular like ink and water. It's so, so weird. The first time I watched it, I was like shocked. And then I watched it again and I was like, all right, let's, now I know like I'm not like that worried about like what's going to happen and like what these things are, but like now I can just live it. Um, I love Arrival and it's one that I would watch a lot. Now, and, and I can't wait for Dune 2 because Dune was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, we'll get to my number one. Uh, this should be a surprise to no one as it's my favorite movie. Uh, it's Moonlight. We covered it extensively uh, on our Moonlight Top Gun pod. (laughs) What a pairing. But um, this was my awakening to like a film and I saw it and I thought that that was like something that was really special and I've just never had a movie resonate with me the same way. And it's... I think it has the record for smallest budget to ever win Best Picture. Cool stat. Unreal. But I think it has made uh, Barry Jenkins, the director, anything that he makes, I'm going to watch. And I just feel like really emotionally connected to Moonlight. And I... I, I, I don't know. I can't do it justice with just like talking about it for like one minute. And for the sake of time... You all know I love Moonlight, so it's my number one. Yeah, and we did the home, like a full homework edition uh, about Moonlight, and um, we talked extensively about it. It's a fabulous movie, like the time jumps and the the. It's really, really good. It's really thought provoking and emotionally driven. Mm-hmm. All right, my number one is, and again, this should probably be no surprise to people who have been avid listeners of the pod um my number one is spotlight another boston movie love that for me there's two on the list and uh yeah this is the um boston globes uh the 2015 
telling of the Boston Globe's breaking of the like Catholic Church um, sexual assault and sexual harassment scandal. Um, for me, simple fact of why this is like was such a big heater for me and, and remains this way was like the timing of which this came out as I was in journalism school. Um, so it feels like, you know, it's, it, 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 you can make any number of analogies, but when something like this of this scale gets released, like when you're studying the thing that is it is doing, this is like a special sort of like way that it like hits you. you. You know, you're sort of seeing in like mainstream Hollywood of like what the thing you're doing could be. It's, it's really weird and cool. Um, I saw it three times in theaters. I've never done that. I was just going to say, uh, for those who don't know, yeah, uh, tell them how many times you saw it. Um, are you curious about the movie that's coming out, She Said? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like a New York Times. Um, me Too. Yeah, Me Too. Zoe Kazan. And, um, yeah, absolute must Car- watch. Carrie Mulligan is also yeah. in that. She's, she's in so many movies. Okay. And like so many good, like high profile movies. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Um, yeah. Back to Spotlight. Yeah, back to Spotlight. I think I saw it with, with Drain Alana, maybe? Or, or, yeah, I think I saw it with Drain Alana. And then I saw it with my classmates. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, we have to see this with like the squad that yeah. were all in school. And then I saw it with my parents. And it's beautiful. Um, incredible movie, incredible cast. A movie that's long, like pretty long, but doesn't like drag its feet. And, and a movie, because of the like content material, it feels like I feel okay to like sit with it while it like preps. Um, yeah. And it was also like a story that I didn't really know that much about, about like how this was told. Cause I wasn't like reading the Boston globe when this was all getting like released, right. When the stories were getting released, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, um, and how big of a deal it was and all of that really like hits home during this movie. Um, this is a movie that I would watch like any day of the year. Everything's so good. The cast is gigantic and incredible, which is a nice little combo. Yeah. It's great. You introduced it to me, and I had a great time. So, hopefully, not too good of a time. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's. Okay, so that's it. So let's do a little recap. Cal, why don't you read your list, and I'll read mine, and then we can compare like what movies got moved out of our um, previous. Do a little uh, little honorable honorable mentions. Then we'll get our homework out of the way. Bob's your uncle. Great. So yeah, my number ten is Lady Bird. My number nine, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Number eight, Whiplash. Number seven, documentary, Minding the Gap. Six, Parasite. Five, Get Out. Four, Moneyball. Three, Mad Max Fury Road. Two, The Social Network. And one, Moonlight. Sick list. Uh, for me, number 10, Inside Out. Nine, Booksmart. Eight, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Seven, The Town. Six, Ex Machina. Five, Moneyball. Four, Moonrise Kingdom. Three, The Social Network. Two, Arrival. And one, Spotlight. Um, Cal, do you want to do uh, honorable mentions or do you want to do the, the comparison? Um, I'll just say for my honorable mentions, uh, I won't go through them all, but I really looked hard at Toy Story 3, which I absolutely love. And I really looked at uh, Little Women and The Farewell. And this was where I kind of mentioned that I love the year 2019. Yeah, heavy 2019 if you get those on. Yeah, so, but those those are two movies that both, like, mean a lot to me. And I think that, uh, like, I grew 
as a film appreciator from those movies. Yeah. So, so one note um, about the previous lists is, um, like, for example, Gone Girl was on your previous list, mm-hmm. and then it didn't make mine, but was damn close. Like, sure. That movie is really, really good. It's fantastic. Another Fincher, extremely entertaining. Um, yeah, I kind of wish I had space, but I feel like I just couldn't get it on. Yeah. Um, our, my previously, like, on the previous list, I had a few. For I want to talk, for example, like, I had Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is just, like, a good Tarantino, but, like, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even in the discussion to make my list anymore, which no. is interesting. The Post was on my list, was not even in the discussion. Inception, I love that movie, but it wasn't just wasn't going to make this list anymore. Mm-hmm. And Argo, which was, like, way up there. Number it three. It was your number three. I just... I still really like that movie um, and I won Best Picture and I'm just like overall impressed with like the way Ben Affleck was able to make that movie like happen and and good and there's a little Canadian content in there Um, but yeah it's just not on my list anymore so any of the ones that you had on your list that you want to talk to at all? Um, So I had number uh, Roma as number six on my list back when we did this a couple years ago and it didn't touch my list either i haven't rewatched it uh since i think i've seen it and it's a really good movie but it's it's quite sad and it's just not something that i like i'm really interested in like sitting down for two and a half hours and checking out again so yeah, sweet. Well, that was an awesome exercise, and I hope uh, people listening get some recommendations. Now, us recommending 17 of the best movies of the decade, potentially you've just seen them all, but if you haven't, get to it and let us know how you think of our lists. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to get into our homework. All right, we're back. Um, We're going to go over our homework, and then we're going to assign some homework, and then we'll be out of here. Cal, you assigned me X, and I assigned you a silent voice. Let's go. Uh, I'll go first. Um, I think it was a great assignment for the uh, month, the month of October, because it's like a slasher horror. I'll do a little... um, a little plot recap here and then we'll get into like what I thought of it. Um, okay. So this, uh, horror movie follows a small group of people in the late seventies who head out to rural Texas to shoot a porn movie. Um, yeah, the plot is basically they arrive, um, they meet their sort of like old creepy landlord, uh, person who's like hosting them on the farm. Uh, and, and then they start shooting their porn um, the landlord and his like wife, both kind of old and creepy, like discover what they're up to. Um, and it's all, there's sort of a general sense of unease, but then things like get kicked into high gear when Jenna Ortega's character want, is like, I want to be in the porn and formally her and her like a part boyfriend, I guess, yep. are like the like sound and like film crew. So they're not like in it, mm-hmm. but she's like got excited about like what they were doing and is like I want to be in it and then her boyfriend's like not so stoked on that and when she after she like performs like one of the scenes he's just like can't handle it so he just decides he's gonna leave and like strand his group there um at this like old creepy farm with these creepy people but before he has a chance to leave he runs into Pearl the like the like uh wife and the at this place the old woman the old woman at this place and she um kills him <laughs> she like comes on to him and he's like oh no i'm not interested and then she just fucking kills him bad 
kills him dead. Um, and then after that, it's just like it cooks into like a full on like horror slasher where they're trying to figure out like how to like where everyone is, how to get off this property. And then they just all get killed, essentially. But I won't spoil it all. <laughs> um so yeah, uh, that's like the plot synopsis and it came out this year. Um, like I said at the top, I'm glad that you assigned me this during October because it felt like not only was I watching like something that was thematically relevant, but I typically don't go for horror movies anyway. And if I'm going to, it's going to be in October, mm-hmm. likely, unless it's like a Jordan Peele movie, um, which, which which I would watch whenever. Um, so I think one of the notes, so I had mixed feelings about it. Um one, I think I just like double down on the fact that this just isn't my genre. Like even watching it, even during October when I'm more open to the spooky stuff, like the slasher is probably like well down on the list of like the type of horror that I even would like. Right. So I, again, I'm thankfully you assigned it to me, pushed me a little bit out of my comfort zone. I think because this is set in the seventies, um, it's like paying homage to like seventies, like horror slasher type classics. Mm-hmm. Um, and not being that well-versed, um, I can't say this with like any type of weight, but it feels like a good one. It feels like one from that era. It feels like you're watching like an old, like, yeah, horror slasher type movie. And I thought that that was cool. And I thought they did a good job and it wasn't like ultra cheesy, which I think you run the risk when you have this style. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was pretty impressed with that. And, um, yeah, I had like written down some notes of like, if we're going to get into like horror movies that I like am more likely to like, it would be like a, like a psych thriller or a like, um, monster zombie movies. I've seen like a handful of those that I like kind of like, mm-hmm. or like, um, yeah, the more like social horror, like we talked about, like, like Jordan Peele style movies where it's like, and um, Silence of the Lambs, which is like elevated above horror in my mind as like sure. a thriller sociological movie that's like and so um yeah and even like yeah monster ones i'm like oh this is pretty sick so um yeah i guess um overall i was happy i got assigned it i would say um i rated it three on letterbox which i knew was going to be like not necessarily which is like you rated it higher for sure um i thought that the performances were like solid i didn't think it demanded that much out of like any of the people acting like no and i yeah and i thought they were and i thought they were like totally good and believable for their roles um i wasn't like overall like overly like super impressed necessarily with like the whole package it feels like the type of story that's like um just like built for that genre and like at a certain point you're like i kind of i don't again i don't want to say it's like totally predictable because there's like cool pieces but you're just like once it's on you're like okay i've like seen this before bunch of people are about to bunch die. people are about to die and like i wonder how these like old people are just gonna slash these people up um and yeah i know like you had mentioned that you're like a you know like a jenna ortega truther she came she was in the fallout which is also this year which i thought she was very good in um i thought she was fine in this didn't have that much to do no um so she was just like solid and i thought in the fallout she had like a way tougher task for sure like very very impressed um so i'm sure she'll be in a lot of fabulous stuff and she's wednesday in the new adams family right yeah so that should be pretty decent um but yeah i guess like x was totally fine for me and it fit my month well so i'm happy about that i'm just probably not going to review it or revisit it and um it's 
obviously had a lot of a, su- a success because it already spawned like a prequel and an upcoming sequel. So, mm-hmm. um, is it Ty West or T West? Ty. Ty West has obviously done a good job like, with this like franchise and it's hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, just feels like horror movies not really for me that's okay yeah doesn't not everything has to be for you um i think one of the things that i think this movie does really well is you get to spend like a good amount of time with the characters before the killing actually starts <laughs> yeah that is so nice it actually like kind of makes some of them like more likable and like you actually like you start to care about them a little bit more and the stakes get a little bit higher yeah, you're, there's a bit more of a, an emotional investment in them, I would say. And I think one of the things that I was so impressed by when I saw this uh, and then I went home and I started looking stuff up was when I figured out that Mia Goth plays uh, her own Maxine. character, Maxine. But then she's also playing Pearl, yeah, the it's... old lady in the... Uh, the house the prosthetics and the makeup and yeah. and they have these scenes together I think that type of filmmaking is really cool um, I think that Jenna Ortega has the scream of the year <laughs> nice I love that that's a category for you <laughs> um, I just like yeah I'm re-watching it I'm like she's great in that one little little portion Kid uh, Cuddy's fun and what did you think of when what is it she sings Landslide by Fleetwood Mac I mean I love that yeah <laughs> I actually remember when that happened. I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Britney Snow is just a good singer. She's in Pitch Perfect. Absolutely. We love Britney Snow. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was good. I also, well, okay. I also was wondering, like, when I did that same research that you did, I was like, I was like, damn, that's impressive. That's cool. Why did they have to do that? Like, like, why could they not have found just like an old actress that's just good at acting to be? And then I'm like, okay, well, I know Pearl's coming out starring Mia Goth and I understand that there's like a connection there but it made me wonder if like there was like a because this movie explores like age and aging and jealousy of like that's like one of the main sort of like themes mm-hmm. um, that the old lady is like jealous of the young like beautiful the kids essentially yep. and that she was once that yeah and and so like that I was like wait is there gonna be like a like a paranormal like stretch in this where like Mia Goth's character Pearl is actually her and I was like oh, look I don't know but it didn't that didn't really happen but I was like it definitely got me thinking well I know that the way they they created this was they were set to go film and they they filmed like the height of pandemic stuff so yeah. we're talking like they went like April of 2020 kind of thing yeah they were in New Zealand yes exactly yeah. and so Ty West while in his like three week lockdown quarantine in a hotel he started writing a second script for pearl and then he called me a goth and asked her hey do you want to stay stay behind and film this other movie after we finish x well that's so. pretty smart seems like a pretty smart business move and x is is fucking successful so yeah um final notes the porn names fabulous jackson hole jackson hole and maxine minx must be real people. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thanks for the rec- uh, recommendation. Thanks for the homework. Okay. So let's get into what you gave me. Uh, it is 2016's A Silent Voice. It's an uh, an anime film, which is really pushing me outside of my comfort zone because I don't really watch many of those. And so it's long. It's uh, two hours and ten minutes. It follows the story of a young boy, Ishida, who in sixth grade gets a new classmate 
Nishimida, uh, a young girl who is deaf and is very eager to communicate with her new class, including like she uses a notebook that she gives to her classmates and then can kind of pass little messages back and forth to each other. She like really wants to be integrated into the classroom. Uh, however, Ishida, he's like, he, he's our main character, but he's also a bully. He's a 12 year old bully and he takes every moment to seize this opportunity and the bullying gets so bad that eventually they get into a physical altercation and uh nishimita's mother pulls her out of school and puts her in a different school then the rest of the movie kind of like really begins and we're now hanging out with ishida as a high school student who he's now a high school outcast uh, because his classmates have all turned their back on him for bullying Nishimita even though some of them were like complicit in this totally uh he has really been like the one they all blamed and then the the adults blamed now so he he feels a lot of guilt about this and so he's actually on the verge of like committing suicide but before he decides to even try doing that he decides that he kind of wants to rectify some of his past actions and so he actually goes to the extent of like trying to find nishimita and like befriend her and he like goes to great lengths doing this. He like learns sign language and like really tries to communicate with her. And that's kind of the movie right there. But uh, it's a bit of a redemption story. Uh, and it's not just like uh, Ishida trying to redeem himself towards Nishimita, but it's about him like he feels so guilty about like his past transgressions that he's trying to make up for them but also his like his self-esteem is so low and they do something really interesting with the animation in this where they actually he can't look at anyone in the face and uh, so what they do is they put like an X over every single character's yeah, like face. like a paper tape X kind of? Yeah. yeah it's like very well obviously it's animated but uh, it's kind of like comical comic the way they like put it on their faces and he just thinks so low of himself that not only is this a like redeeming him in terms of how he is uh perceived with nishimira but how he like views himself and how can he become like comfortable in like existing in his own skin meanwhile nishimira like she has all these like social issues such as she thinks everything is her fault and she kind of like hates herself and she blames herself for other people uh struggling to understand her she thinks like her voice sounds funny sometimes there are certain scenes where like they're trying to express how they like care for each other but they might not understand each other and it kind of like is something is misconstrued and it, like goes horribly wrong um i liked the movie I found that sometimes it felt like they were really beating you over the head with like, here's a sad thing that's about to happen. Here's another bad thing that's about to happen. Oh, let's let's hit you with another bullying scene. And sometimes like that felt a little like that was like bringing me down a little bit. And yeah, like I'm sad boy Cal. I like sad movies, but it felt a little bit repetitive at times for me. Uh, I thought the like animation was like gorgeous and maybe this is a problem that me as like uh, 
North American man who doesn't like really watch a lot of anime but sometimes i found it like a little confusing of like which female character was which because they would have like different hair hair color but like shades of different ones so like yeah i would get them a little confused and like it's it's subtitled and um they all wear like the same school outfits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was the big thing. I'm like, oh, uh, can we like not wear the same clothes all the time? Uh, I found it a little easier to tell the guys apart because they had like one guy was like six feet tall, one guy was like five feet tall with an afro, and the other guy was like blonde. So there was only like three males in the in the show, um, and like the themes that the mo- movie tackles, like uh, bullying, suicide self-loathing forgiveness and i think that one of the things that the movie does well is it presents bullying not just as like a kid versus kid situation but it's like a systemic problem where all like the bigger powers you know the people that work in the school they don't know how to stop it they do like very little but they're overworked and they're just exhausted and they don't know how to like rectify any of these situations um and i think while i said that some of the stuff like beats you over the head it also like kind of hammers in like the theme of like a little bit of like hopelessness when we're like talking about like a theme of suicide so i think it was good and uh yeah i would recommend it it's on netflix check it out yeah it's uh it's really sad like it yeah it is extremely sad like you texted me you're like yo i'm like halfway through silent voice i'm like fun you're like no <laughs> <laughs> um just uh so for for context like for i actually watched this movie this summer when i had covid yeah why did was you in watch nashville. it again how did you i was just it? like i was just like in nashville uh had covid was like sick sad because i also didn't know what that was going to mean for me like with our tournament coming up and like i was like yeah i was like down in the dumps yeah down in the dumps and we had just come off world games was like pretty unsuccessful i was like everything was like kind of going wrong at the exact time but i was supposed to be on this kind of like fun trip yeah so and i was just like at home like scrolling through netflix and i was just like i'm gonna watch like this movie is just like i just like saw it and i like letterboxed it and it was like it was like a sad rendering of whatever and i was like sweet (laughs) It's like, may as well. All right. And sad Boy Kev. Yeah, Sad Boy Kev. And I was like, let's just watch this like sad fucking anime movie that looks, that's rated very high. Like mm-hmm. I was like, I, this looks like it's going to be very good. Yeah. So anyway, so I watched it and I was like, and it delivered. I was like, oh, this is so sad. So I was like, kind of just like feeling it. Like I, and then I was like, I actually rewatched this week and I was like, I wonder if I'm going to like like it as much as I kind of the way it kind of like hit me the first time because mm-hmm. sometimes you don't even need to like be like like obsessed over a movie for it to like really get you yeah um then I watched it this week and maybe it just brought back like my feelings but I th- yeah I was like really impressed um I I agree that it's it like ne- it's like ceaseless it just like hits you with x y and z like get once you get out of the first like time like when a time jumps mm-hmm. you're like okay so surely it's just like from here on out, it's like, we're going to like make progress. All It's like, no, it doesn't let you do that. Um, it like hits you with like an attempted suicide and then like a big, long stretch of redemption and then an attempted suicide. Oh my God. Um, that's what but, I was texting you. Yeah. I, yeah. But I will say it actually, um, it's, I feel like it spoke to me about like the way kids 
like clique up and like I didn't I don't have like any like major like transgressions that I want to go back on that I was like a part of on either side. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, I don't feel like I was a subject of aggressive bullying. I also know that I wasn't an aggressive bully. Sure. There was like poking fun here and there with like our groups of people. Sure. But so, but so the like deepness didn't necessarily touch me, but the like, the way you like float in and out of friend groups and the way like you have seen, like I have seen some of my friends like be like more present and less present and stuff that is very relatable. And so, like, and the feeling of the fact of, like, do you deserve the, like, treatment that you're getting? And that's, like, something that they, like, he was, like, the whole movie, like, Ishida was, like, like, I don't deserve anything good. Like, even when good things were happening, he, like, blocked them away. Mm -hmm. And um, Nishimiya was, like, she was, you know, like, trying but also feeling like everything was her fault. And so yeah. it was like, a, it was like, and those, both the characters are spiraling and finding like some level of like common ground together, but both feeling like they didn't even, even deserve the like success of like them starting to get along better. Um, so like what? some of those themes like spoke to me, maybe not quite at the depth of the, 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 that these characters were going through, but I was like, I understand some degree of like, um, when you don't necessarily feel like you deserve what's coming to you or you don't like, you're not sure someone else kind of deserves that or whatever it is. And, and, uh, yeah, so it's super interesting and it made me want to watch more from the same director. That's for sure. Okay. It also made me think like, cause obviously I work in a school right now. I'm working totally. with grade sixes. So that's this age. And there's like times where I've seen bullying happening at school and I like, I empathize with the like school officials because like you see it and like it's not overt stuff of like a, a person fighting like physical altercation you know but you see these mi- microaggressions and you know that someone's getting hurt by it and it's not something that you can solve in that split second and you like then you have to have a team meeting with like the other like staff and like figure out like well is this is this the moment where we like step in and try and do something like it it's hard yeah it's really hard right like even this they like reprimand him but it just doesn't matter like yeah especially in the early ages the kids do not know how to communicate to each other no and that's like something that you see on a day-to-day but like in this movie it was like he was like bullying her and then they had a moment where she's like i want us to be friends and, mm-hmm. and i'm like okay like we could solve this right now. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, I don't want to be friends. You're fucking weird. Basically as an adult, you know, and you're just like, Oh my God, like that shit was solved, but it's just, and then they try to reprimand him, but it doesn't do anything. Well, this doesn't matter. Children lack perspective. And so let's get into it. Let's go. Fresh pot. This will be my last thing. Children lack this perspective to understand, uh, like, take a step back and see what they're like necessarily doing to someone else or like what they're doing to themselves. And they lack the ability to understand like sometimes what really matters. Cause all they can see is like absolutely what is right in front of them. And I think like I see kids in gym class who like rail on other kids cause they didn't win like a warm-up game in gym class. I'm thinking. I, I we always say to them like, "This isn't the Olympics. This doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, is we're just here to move our bodies." But no, they don't get that, and that's what this movie was about. And one day, these kids will, I hope, figure out. Yeah. That, but we were probably like that too. We cared about things that later on 
that are so I mean, we probably still do that to some degree, sure. but it's, you're right, the, the perspective thing. And I will say the last thing note about um, A Silent Voice is the ending is like thought-provoking, if not outright satisfying, the last like 50 seconds. Right. Um, but it's like, it gives you optimism for the, the characters. Yeah. All right, let's give each other some homework. That was fun. That was a fun. That was a fun homework. It was like when I saw that I have Silent Force rated five, and you gave it a three, and then you had uh, X high, but it does not really like the perfect movie for me. I, I, I'm like, oh, we can't have a pretty good talk. I bumped it up to three and a half. Okay, that's good. That's good. Um, okay, what are you giving me? I'm giving you a 2022 movie. Let's go uh, after Yang. Okay, well, that, I'm really glad that you're gonna force me to watch it because I'm like, it's on my like 2022 watch list, yeah. but I was like, uh, things are get, like coming over it. Like, I want to talk about it, okay. so I'm looking okay, forward to that. I, and, I need you to rewatch it, and I want to talk about this movie with someone because I don't, th- I don't know anyone who's seen it. Uh, so your homework is California Split. Oh, I just added it to my watch list. I saw you watch it. Yeah. Okay. Gambling movie from olden times. Robert Altman, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Okay, looking forward to it. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. And yeah, tune back in. I'm sure we'll have one out, another one out before Christmas. Sweet. See ya.